The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So glad you're with us. We've got a lot of information that we're going to share with you, just like we do each and every week. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini, and we've got a lot to share with you, including raised bed gardening. Man, we've got a raised bed in my yard. I can't believe how many vegetables come out of that. We'll give you a few tips if you're considering that way of producing some really good food for your family. Also, small home renovations. There are ways that you kind of make things that's a little bit different, a little more manageable when you really have a small home. We got some tips for a homeowner on that. And pool renovations. Boy, I'll tell you, there's so many problems that people have with pools and the settling around the edges there. Got a few things. We've dealt with this quite a bit. And of course, we've got a lot of emails. And of course, Joe, what about that simple solution coming up a little bit later? All right, Danny, I have a really quick and simple way to hang up long-handled tools. Um, not only they hang, is it easy to hang them out of the way, but they're readily available. So you can very easily take them down, use them, and put them back. And everybody's probably uh, thinking about, boy, I could use a little organization on all those shovels and rakes yep. and hose and all the different things there. So I'll certainly be listening uh, in for that. Hey, we want to hear from you and we make it as easy as possible. You can email us right now at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800 946 4420 is all you have to do in order to reach out to us. Joe, I'm uh, I'm um, going to a birthday party here um, Are very, you? very soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's a uh, yeah. family member, friend? You- well, um, I don't really know him personally, um, and there will be 17,000 other people at this particular <laughs> Are birthday party. Are you crashing party. this birthday party? I'm uh, No, I actually paid for a ticket. And, uh, oh, okay. So uh, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday party. Oh. Really? I assume this Absolutely. is a concert, not only a party. Yeah, it's a concert. Yeah, right? well, I'm trying to I'm trying to play with words on it. And, uh, <laughs> That's okay. So, but uh, two days back to back, it's considered the oh, wow. musical event of the year. And just kind of spur of the moment, I decided yeah. to go, and we were able to get tickets, which are just about impossible to get right now unless you really want to add a few zeros to that ticket price. Uh, So we were very lucky to get in at the very first wave of that. But two days back-to-back, unbelievable amount of friends of Willie's that are going to show up at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. Oh, that sounds great. Now, that's an outdoor venue, right? That's a famous outdoor outdoor venue. venue. I mean, the the famous Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And uh, I can remember when I was younger and I travel a lot, I remember walking up to the big big iron gates of that place right. and just looking at it because it was so famous, you know, and looking in and mm-hmm. seeing that and saying, you know what, one day I'm coming back and uh, I, I assume I'd be seeing a, a symphony orchestra right. there, but yeah. not this case. There are so many people. I mean, that you, they've got everywhere from Neil Young, Miranda Lambert, um, Tom Jones, and my old buddy Snoop. Snoop Dogg, of course, will be there. <laughs> Snoop Dogg and Tom Jones. We're talking about yeah, Tom Jones from like the 1960s, right? Yeah, that Tom Jones, yeah. Wow. So can you, I mean, just just think about it. And this is actually the, the, um, the Saturday night that I'll be there is actually his birthday. 
So they Will, have Willie's come, birthday. Yeah. So they've oh, had great. this in plan for, uh, but there's 35 or 40 acts during the two days. So no way that they could do more than maybe one song, or maybe they'll put together a little super group there. And, oh, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. Especially you know, at the and, end. And, well, he's and, 90. You can't expect him to perform for two right, straight yeah, days. I exactly. I don't think he'll be doing a lot of dancing around, but anyway, once in a lifetime thing, I love concerts and don't go to as many of them as I used to because they're so darn expensive now and yeah. hard to, you know, get good tickets, but I uh, had to do this one. So I'd, well, that sounds be... like fun. And I assume you'll have the day off, right? Cause these concerts are late afternoon, early evening. So you have the day yeah. off in and around Hollywood. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get out there a little early because you know with the travel challenges these days, you better get out there the day before. I oh, mean, used to, yeah. you know, you could fly out early in the morning and go to something right, that yeah. afternoon, but no, nah, can't trust uh, you, it. No, you yeah. can't trust them. You can't trust those rascals that ride those drive those planes <laughs> around. So, <laughs> but anyway, well, well, I, well, I hope I, you have a blast and uh, look forward to hearing about it when you get back. Yeah, I had to brag about that a little bit. But hey, something we always like to do here at the start of the show is, you know, a few of the things that are trending. And this is very interesting because, you know, uh, it's a little more of a challenge now. It's starting to get harder and harder to sell your home. We've been very spoiled over this last year of anyone selling their home that you can put it out there and you get bids and people are beating your door down to try to buy your home. Well, that's kind of slowing down a little bit statistically. So it makes you start thinking about some of the ways that if you are planning on selling your home that you can do to kind of have the edge on a maybe a house that's around the block. But uh, staging is something that has proven to really help your real estate agent sell your home. I had just a few little stats here from the um, 2023 profile of home staging by the National Association of Realtors. And kind of interesting thing, one of the things it says on this, uh, Joe, is 48% of sellers' agents say staging decreases a property time on the market. That's always interesting to me. That's important. When you're looking at something, how long the average time on the market? And I've seen averages as high as 180 days. Yeah. Uh, so essentially six months before your house sold, yeah. sells. More recently, it's more like six minutes. You know, yeah. so it's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a a lot different on that. Well, the the other thing about a, a house being on the market for an extended period of time is if you're a home prospective home buyer, you look at that. If oh, yeah. Before you put in your, if you see a house that you really like and it's been on the market for six or eight months, it's like, well, I'm driving the price down. I'm not going to mm-hmm. give them the asking price. Obviously, you know, something's up, so they might be more anxious to sell. Mm-hmm. So anything you can do to reduce that time on the market, um, you know, can only help your pocketbook. And sure. by the way, Danny, I assume everyone knows what staging is, right? Well, maybe we should uh, back yeah, up. Yeah, maybe just we should a just touch on it for a split sure. second. Well, yeah. If you have a empty house, um, then you know it's hard for people to visualize what it could be like. But if you have several rooms decorated out, maybe the main living room that you see when you walk in, and maybe the breakfast room and a couple rooms, at least that helps people visualize the size of the rooms, and it just makes it look more like home. And these stage staging experts really know just how much to put in there so that exactly. it's not, you know, too cluttered. So um, it's certainly been a growing trend. Another one of the things uh, on this particular uh, study said 20% of buyers and sellers agents say staging increases the dollar value of offers by 
one to five percent compared to homes that aren't staged. So start doing the math on that and start looking at one to five percent increase right. by whatever it costs you to get it staged. That's probably a pretty good bargain. Another one is 81 percent of buyers agents say staging a home makes it easier for clients to visualize themselves living in the property. Just like I mentioned a minute ago, just kind of, right. you know, because it's a very emotional thing when you're buying a house. So, you know, if you can point people to a very positive uh, situation that they can relate to, that's a win-win for everybody. Well, that's the key thing about staging is not only does it make your house look nice because it's professionally furnished, for lack of a better word, when they stage it, but also people want to see themselves. They don't want to see you living there. They don't want to see themselves living there, which is why the first thing any stager or real estate agent does is remove family photographs. Deep and you have to just swallow yeah. deep personal, swallow your pride. You know, they don't want to see, you know, p- pictures of your kids. They want to see, they want it to, <laughs> they don't want to, it doesn't, it shouldn't look like your house because you're trying to make it look like their house, the prospective buyer's house. So that's really the most important thing about staging, decluttering and depersonalizing. That's what staging actually does. And I guess, you know, you could, if you went the extra length there, you could um, get pictures of that prospective family and put them on the wall. That might be a little creepy, right? Might, you know? <laughs> they walk in and see pictures of themselves. Like, where, where did they get taken with a telephoto lens from across, through a bush? Like, wait a minute. I, I, what I do is I take down our family photographs, but I leave up Danny Lipford photographs. Yeah, there you go. And that yeah. next statistic might be why. Why don't you tell That's people right. what 55% of all agents say? Yeah, 55% of all agents say buyers expect homes to emulate properties they've seen on television shows. How so, do you like that? Yeah. You so, go. you know, maybe, maybe that's uh, something to it. And the last one here is agents say the most important rooms to stage are living room, primary bedroom, and kitchen. Perfectly understandable Makes sense. to have those areas there. So anyway, we like to share with you a few little facts as we get so much current information and of course our social media team constantly researching things and I would encourage you to check it out. I mean, uh, if you go to the Today's Home on our Facebook page right now, you know, we have over 200,000 people that are our friends there on Facebook and uh, there's a lot a lot going on there that can help you around your home. A lot of great information. Hey, we're just getting started here this week on Today's Homeowner Radio and uh, certainly hope you can stick around. We've got a lot of information to share with you when we come back. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show that's heard nationwide on some amazing radio stations like this one, WFBT 106.7 FM in Wilmington, North Carolina. Boy, that's a beautiful area right it in is, there. Yeah. Nice part of the country. And we uh, want to say a special hello to everybody in that part of North Carolina listening to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We appreciate it. And we want to help you out with any challenge you might be having in and around your home. Just pick up the phone and call us, 800 940 or send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask right now. Joe, we've got a lot of different calls and a lot of different emails that came in. This is one that I kind of like from a a John in Pennsylvania. said, I need your opinion about a, and I'll read it just like it has it here, raised raised bed for (laughs) gardening. Think of building a four by eight by 20 in bed mounted on a two by six structure with four by four post. So we're talking about four by eight 
and then 20 inches high right. and then raised up on four by four posts. Now, okay. would yeah. an X frame across across it be okay, or should I go with horizontal joist um, across it to support the weight of the soil in the bed above? Uh, I get it. I get it. Okay. He's actually, eleva- this is an elevated bed, so it's up off the ground 20 inches or so, right? Okay. In greenhouses, I've built things similar to that, but mm-hmm. well, you're talking about a massive amount of weight, and as you're planting and watering, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. I mean, I know a raised bed, one of the advantages of any raised bed, regardless of how high it is, it's just easier to work on than sure. something just right in the ground. You have more control over the soil, more control over the amount of you know irrigation and water that you get to it. But uh, boy, you're really complicating life in, in raising that much. You're talking about a 20-inch, I, I don't know what the weight of that would be, but I would tend to think it would be in excess of three or 400 pounds by the time you put that much soil in there. So I would suggest putting it right on the ground because one of the advantages of a raised bed is that you don't have a bottom on it. I know the raised beds that I have in my yard that are doing so well with vegetables and flowers and such, if the type of plants that you're planting and the roots can go down, it's not limited. It can continue going out of the bed right into the bottom area. So um, that would be tricky. Now, however, if no matter what you're doing, you got to support that. It's got to be built really strong because wet soil is going to push very hard against those walls. So what I did in mine, Joe, I actually put a horizontal brace about halfway down under right. the dirt. And, oh. you know, I kind of know right where it is. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a couple of them there that I put mid-span and nothing has moved and it's held up very, very well. But That's to keep the walls from spreading yeah, out. Yeah, from sp- spreading right. out because yep. so yep. much weight involved sure. in that. But boy, when you're raising it up like John's trying to do here, you're, you're just complicating life unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, the reason to raise a bed to elevate a raised bed is so you don't have to bend down or be on your knees. First of all, if it's 20 inches I'm not sure if he's meaning it's 20 inches deep or it's 20 inches off the ground. Because first of all, you don't, I mean, unless he's planting trees, you would never need it 20 inches deep for just raised bed for vegetables and flowers and fruit, Mm -hmm. you know, small like berry plants or something. So if it's 20 inches high off the ground, I mean, I would just make it at least 30, 36 inches high. So it's a lot more comfortable because at 20 inches, you still have to bend over. Um, And as far as how deep to make it, I mean, Usually, if you make it twelve inches deep, that's more than enough. Mm-hmm, and, that's right. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so that wouldn't be that would be heavy, but not too much. What I would do is, I would use four by four posts as John recommends, but I would put use six, one in each corner, and then two at mid span, and, and then to support the weight of it, I would use seven X frame or anything like that. I would just use horizontal joists across, spaced, you know, twelve to sixteen inches apart. I would put hardware cloth over that, metal hardware cloth, and then um, landscape fabric, then put in the soil. This way everything can drain through without an issue. Um, and like I said, 12 inches, 10 to 12 inches of soil be plenty for, for most plants. Yeah, that does make a lot of difference, especially older people. You know, it just makes it a little bit easier to work. But I'll tell you what, on, on our raised beds, are probably about 16 or 18 inches high. But I also right. put a, um, a two by six around the um, the top of it as a frame for more support. But also right. it's great for sitting there as you're working right. on it or yep. adding little, you know, having your plants lined up there as you're planting them. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm a big believer in, in, in raised beds because it is amazing how much you can grow in them. 
but you don't have to have a lot of them. Just start out with just one, and you can go from there. You can go to todayshometer.com, find out exactly how to build one and how to put the um, the little landscape fabric on the inside so that your water can weep out, but your soil stays where it is. So anyway, it's a great uh, great project to take on and great project to take on uh, during this time of the year. Hey, let's uh, grab a few of these emails. We'd love to get okay. an email from you, todayshometer.com slash ask. Mary Ellen asked, uh, we bought a home in New Hampshire about five years ago, and it came with a beautiful in-ground pool, but the concrete patio around the pool is tired and worn looking. It also has a few cracks and is falling in a few areas. Can it be resurfaced or otherwise repaired? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do, you know, even, you know, doesn't matter if it's a pool or a driveway or whatever, when you have existing concrete. But I'll tell you, Mary Ellen, the very first thing that I would do is to make sure you're stopping any water from soaking down from the top of the slab, you know, rainwater down underneath the, the slab. If it has the smallest little crack, it's going to get a lot worse. So I would strongly recommend any of the cracks you have, use a concrete repair caulk and caulk all of those up really, really good to keep the, the water out of there. And then as far as the surface like that, we recommend Quickrete's resurfacer quite a bit. You, I've used it many, many times. And uh, you can go online and see the videos on that at quickrete.com or todayshomeowner.com and see how easy it is. A good thing about a swimming pool, normally you have a lot of separation. You have a lot of dividers and control joints. That allows you to do just one section at a time makes the project a little bit more manageable. But, uh, you know, I hear so much of that, Joe, about um, pool settling. And I'll have yeah. to say, this isn't a blanket statement for all pool contractors. But there are a lot of them out there that simply do not compact the fill properly. Because when you put in, you know, three or four foot of fill, um, you've already done wrong because you when you're put when you're trying to compact soil like that you yeah. put in about 16 to 18 inches and you tamp it with a mechanical tamp to where it is tight as can be then put another 18 to 20 inches on and do it in lifts what they call lifts like that if you don't do it that way there's going to be voids there's going to be um some cracking and and uh i, I just hate to see it when um, when, when somebody's doing that, I was on a project one time and I looked around the concrete guys were getting the slab ready and I said, Hey, uh, where's your, where's your tamp? What kind of tamp do you use? Oh, we don't tamp them. We walk it down. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I think how many, you need to walk how many days did I walk back yeah, and forth? I think you need to walk over to your truck and leave is what you need to do <laughs> because you you cannot compact it by walking it down. Yes, it will pack it a little bit, but you have to methodically take that motorized tamp. doesn't cost much money to rent one and go over it and over it because you only yep. have one chance because concrete's heavy. You're going to have a lot of elements, gravity working against you. That, that soil's got to be nice and compacted. Yeah, even when we tell people to put in gravel, um, like for a foundation underneath a concrete block or for to set a shed on or a deck, I mean, you you don't ever put in six or eight inches of of gravel and then compact it. You put in two or three inches of gravel and compact it. Didn't add another two or three and compact it again. And that's the exact reason. If you get ten or twelve inches of of gravel or two or three feet of soil and compact it, well, it might be compact in the top few inches, but what's going on below? And then, as you said, a lot of water from the pool, a lot of rainwater gets in there, soaks through, hits those voids. Next thing you know, you have some settling in the concrete is where you'll see that settling when it starts cracking and heaving. 
And and what I said about um, sealing up those cracks goes for driveways, sidewalks, anything, front porches, patios, whatever. Um, you know, a minor little crack like that. And concrete's going to crack. I mean, just about all yep. concrete will crack. But filling those little voids in will prevent that mo- water from getting under there because it might take years, but once it starts settling, there's nothing you can do. It'll continue settling. It's only get get worse. So go ahead and kind of nip it in the bud, as our old friend Barney Fife used to say. Go ahead and just <laughs> that get that. Barney Fife. Our, our, our old nip buddy. Nip it. Just nip, nip it. it. <laughs> hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're about to have a lot of fun and share with you some great information. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. And welcome back to the show where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Now, you know, if you watch today's homeowner television show, often you've seen my daughter Chelsea use a cordless bread nailer a lot. Now, they're great because there's no need for compressors, hoses, or gas cartridges. Well, Ryobi has just made their 18-gauge cordless airstrike bread nailer even better. It's the lightest cordless brad nailer in its class so you won't wear your arm out by using it and it also has a 45 percent smaller nose for real tight spot access and will sink up to 1900 nails per charge on that 18 volt battery also there's a tool free drive adjustment you don't need any tools at all to allow for the proper setting of the nail heads and the easy adjustment dial will regulate the air pressure speed for optimum performance plus the jam free release is also tool free to make cleaning jam nails a lot more simple and a lot safer so for more information on this ryobi cordless airstrike brad nailer head on over to home depot Dot com. We've used the previous, the predecessor of that one on the show a good bit, and then we just got the brand new one the other day, and uh, great improvements, and man, you can just, once you get one of those, you'll use it for just about everything. Yeah, I've got the um, Airstrike, the Ryobi Cordless Airstrike stapler, uh-huh. which I use all the time. Like oh, yeah. A fastening quarter-inch plywood backing the cabinets. When I built that chicken coop for popular mechanics magazine i used it for attaching all the chicken wire oh yeah sure Because imagine driving in those little poultry staples and there's no. like a thousand of them to do it by right. hand i'd still be out there the chickens would have died of and, old age i'd still be putting and, up the chicken wire and your fingers all of them would be yeah, bandaged up right. from, from banging those so good another good product hey well we always want to help you and you can reach us on the today's homeowner hotline 800-946- 4420. That's what Kelly in North Carolina did. Kelly, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on at your house. Hey, thank y'all for taking my call. So I live in a 62-year-old Jim Walters home. Danny is familiar with Jim Walters homes. Oh yeah, I'm very familiar with him. Uh So um, it needs a lot of work and I just don't know whether it's worth investing in upgrading it or knocking it down, even though that would be expensive. I did have a structural engineer look at it. He said the grinder support, the grinder needed support. The pilings were too far apart, and some of the foundation was bowing. 
Well, um, you know, things have changed a little bit on the codes and so forth. And what Joe was referencing, uh, actually, the very first house I ever bought, Kelly, was a 1964 Jim Walter home. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, it actually was never finished for 10 or 12 years until I bought it, and then I finished it up. It was a very special home I bought when I was 21 years old. I was very proud of that that place. And, and for those that aren't familiar with Jim Walter's home, Jim Walter started uh, back in 1955 and built a tremendous large business by essentially building partially finished homes on your property. So what they would do is they would, um, you know, you have a piece of property, you go out and they'd build a home for you, usually just to black it in to where the outside's finished and they would, um, you know, expect you to finish the inside. And um, now they had some trouble back in the 80s and uh, went out of business. But, you know, overall, um, it's not exceptional construction, but it's not bad construction. It's kind of somewhere in between. And what I would do is talk to a remodeling contractor um, that does a lot of remodeling in your area and have them come out and say, what do you think? You know, um, uh, because remodeling contractors want to make it work if it's feasible. We're usually the last ones to say, call the bulldozer out and knock it down. Um, so, you know, get them out. And, and even if they have to supplement a few footings or supplement some of the girders underneath, that's not that hard or that you know, expensive to do. And then the new area that they build on, you know, can be built up to standards, but I wouldn't try to knock it down yet. I would really look at that. And I mean, you're talking about 800 square feet. That's still a sizable area. You add on a little extra and you might be good for a long time, but I would start with that uh, call. Maybe your local home builders association, ask them for several remodeling contractors that are part of the organization. Just have a few conversations with them. And I think they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Our pleasure. And best of luck on that. It's an exciting project for you. So just uh, get a few different opinions and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of get the comfort level that you're looking for, I believe. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Our pleasure, Kelly. Have a good weekend. You know, that, that was an amazing company, though, Joe, with the way they yeah. kept building those things. And uh, it was it was perfect. A lot of people in rural areas used them that maybe they had. I've heard many, many stories where the father had a farm and gave each son one or two acres here, oh, one I or see. two acres yeah. there. And yeah. then they uh, built a Jim Walters home. And then, you know, they may be still living with their parents while they finished the home together as a family. So it's, uh, it's pretty good. Some of the uh, banks and mortgage companies may frown on that a little bit these days. And that yeah. might have been one of the reasons that uh, put uh, Jim Walters out of business. But um, but anyway, they, they did pretty well and uh, built a business that uh, one year they actually grossed $2.4 billion, which back in, the, yeah. back in the late 70s or 80s, that was it's a lot of money nowadays, but yeah. that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. And plus to make, you know, we're always looking a way to make housing affordable to people. And, and that actually sounds like a, a pretty good way. I was thinking about when we had our home built, I bought a piece of property here in Connecticut and we had a house built in the uh, early 1990s. And at that time we had met a contractor and, and he was just buying property and building houses. And before the house was finished, he would have, it would have been sold because he mm-hmm. had a realtor that was bringing people around. I mean, imagine doing that today. If you're a builder, you could never afford to do that. To build a house might not ever sell, and then what do you do with it? So yeah, things keep changing, and uh, and I think, as you said, Jim Walters had a had a business uh, model that worked well in the '60s and '70s, but uh, now you know everything's changed as far as house buying and house selling. 
Yeah, certainly has. And, you know, the, the speculative uh, building, I know a lot of builders and I've uh, seen a lot of them um, languishing over, um, you know, a, a house sitting there yep. um, and you've got your construction loan, you're paying that yep. money and it keeps coming, keeps coming, you know, because after you finish the house, you got to start paying at least the interest. And after, you know, a few months or maybe a year of that sitting on the market, not only does it get a little almost kind of a stigma attached to it. That's it's right. also has your, the interest has burned up all of the profit that you could possibly yeah. make. So and you're paying taxes on the property. No yeah. One's living yeah. In it. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's something that's not done near as much as it used to be. Hey, coming up, we're going to tackle a lot of these emails that we got this week. It seems like every week we get more and more emails, but that's okay. We try to spend enough time that we can get as many of these answered as possible. And you can send us one by going to today's homeowner.com slash ask. We're going to take a short break and Joe and I'll be right back with more today's homeowner radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Hey, always great to be with you each and every week here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. And, you know, it's so cool to be able to interact and engage with people all over the country that are just trying to make their home a nicer place. And we want to help as much as we can. One way is uh, get a lot of emails. You know, a lot of times all of us are busy, hard to be on the radio. So just send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ass. That's what Rose did out of Pennsylvania. Uh, the paint on, my, on the ceiling in my master bathroom bathroom is peeling. My experienced painter and the paint manufacturer have no idea why this paint is peeling. There's a heat pump in the attic above the bathroom, but the original paint never peeled until the ceiling was repainted. And there's an exhaust fan, which has a duck in the attic, but everybody is puzzled about the peeling paint. Joe, it seems uh, just at, 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 you know, see the pictures here and so forth. First of all, let's, let's go back and say that the house um, could easily have had enamel paint on the ceiling, but, you know, regardless, you have, you know, years of moisture that are, is going into there. You might have, I've heard of people talking about um, hairspray, how people got really strong with their hairspray and it sprayed on certain areas of the ceiling or the walls. And all of those are things that will not encourage paint to stick like it should. And, 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 you know, the certainly using the exhaust fan and getting that moisture out of there is very key to do that, but I think it's time that they go back and uh, they're going to have to do a little sanding. They might have to do a little degreasing and certainly put on a really good bonding primer that's going to provide a surface that these other coats of paint will stick to. Don't you think this is just a prep problem? Yeah. Well, whenever paint peels in a bathroom, which is not unusual, of course, it's because of moisture. But what Rose said that was might be a clue to this problem is she never had an issue with it for years and years. Then they repainted the bathroom and now it's peeling. So mm-hmm. obviously there was something not done in the prep of that last coat of paint. Yeah. Okay, great. But what do you do now? Now it's got paint on it. that's peeling. So yeah, you're going to have to try to remove that paint. However you can either mechanically by sanding or maybe with some kind of paint remover, like a chemical paint remover, something as non-toxic as possible. Because otherwise, I don't know what else to do, Danny. If they painted over a surface that was either too glossy or too dirty or too greasy, you wouldn't you'd ordinarily have grease in a, in a bathroom as opposed right, to a kitchen. Right. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, that seems to be the clue there. I mean, they had no trouble with the ceiling. They painted it, and now there's a problem. 
saw they used the wrong paint. They thinned the paint, which they shouldn't have. But I suspect it's that surface they painted over wasn't properly prepped. I think so. I, I'll tell you what I would recommend is just getting a, a pole sander like the drywall yep. finishers yep. use. Get you about a probably like 80 grit paper. You know, you don't want to be mm-hmm. too forceful on it. And then just uh, get a good light in there and uh, then just really methodically sand every square inch of that ceiling nice and even. Wipe all the dust off. Put that bonding primer on there. And I believe you've kind of erased all of the woes of the previous uh, problem and can move forward. I think that'll take care of you on that one. Let's go to Indiana with another email. My local right. home improvement store sells furnace air filters ranging in price from four dollars to over 40. This is my first home and I'm confused on which one to buy. Is there a real difference that justifies the higher price? And could you also provide some direction on which type is best? Thanks so much. I enjoy your radio show and online videos. Thank you very much, Carrie. Well, you know, this is something that, boy, I'll tell you, you start talking to air conditioning guys, you start talking to contractors, you get a lot of different opinions. But let me tell you, over the years, I have talked to all of them at all the top companies. And here's what I have found and that is an electrostatic filter. Now, that's going to cost you anywhere from $10 to $12. I recommend go ahead and buy a case of these things. Make sure that you change them every three months. You don't have to do it every month. Now, the electrostatic filter is that middle of the road that seems to be the best value and works the best. Now, the big, giant pleated filters, yes, those are nice as well, and generally you only have to do those every six months, but if your system is not set up for that large three-inch or four-inch pleated filter, it does take a little bit of reconfiguration of your ductwork in order to make that work. That, without a doubt, is the best. But as a new homeowner, I suspect that you're not wanting to spend that kind of money. So electrostatic filter, buy a case of them so that you have it handy. But you know, Joe, there's still guys out there, the air conditioning guys saying, oh no, don't use those. Use the cheapest one you can get uh, or it's going to put a strain on your motor. That is not correct. That is is not correct. An impacted dirty filter. Yes. That puts a strain on your motor that you shouldn't be. But a, a filter Will not do that if you keep it clean. That's some bad information out there. Yeah. We're willing to. I'm willing to step out there and give that opinion, and anybody can challenge me if they wish. But I have uh, done a lot of work on that and talked to an awful lot of people on it. Yeah, and and the reason you pay a little more money for a better filter is it does a better job at removing dust, odors, allergens, pet dander. And you'll notice there's a MERV rating, and they range from like one to sixteen. The higher the number, the more efficient they are, and the better better they are at trapping airborne particles. There's a few more things to consider, but uh, certainly glad to get that email from you. And again, if you'd like to send us one, todayshomeowner.com slash ask. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's simple solution time. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. So many times I have an opportunity to talk with people all over the country that listen to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We certainly appreciate you doing that each and every week and also appreciate the feedback that we get on different things that you like. And without a doubt, one of the most favorite parts of the Today's Homeowner Radio Show is our simple solution delivered by a very capable co-host, Joe Truini. Well, thank you very much. I like that intro. Thank you, Danny. Um, Here's how to make a handy holder 
for push brooms, rakes, and other long-handled tools from two plastic pipe supports. Go to local home center and go to the plumbing department where they sell the PVC pipe, and you'll see these hangers. They're shaped like a letter J, and you want to get, for each tool that you want to hang, get two of the size for that typically hold a four-inch diameter PVC pipe. And basically, you just take these two, and they already have the holes in them, and I think they actually come with nails attached to them. Last time I bought them, they actually had the nails attached to them as well. You just hold them up where you bought them. You can put them against the wall. You want, I usually hook them up. I have some exposed uh, floor joists above me. So I usually just, in my shop or, or in the shed, I just tack them up there, nail them or screw them in place. And you space them accordingly so that they hold the, the tool. And you just hook it on there. It's as simple as that. It just hangs. And it's supported enough that if you bang into it, it's not going to fall off. It's not going to flop over. But when you need to get it, you just pop it right off and pop it back on when you're done. It's surprisingly easy to install and to use. So that's why I recommend using these PVC pipe supports. And that's one of the key things anytime you're trying to get uh, your shop or your garage or, you know, any, any area that you have for storage, uh, one of the key things there in getting it organized and manageable is get as much off the floor as you can. Exactly, now you want, yep. you want to, and, and still have it visible. So if you use um, this simple solution, which is a really good one, we have that at our studio shop and uh, works very, very well, keeps that broom very handy, you'll start realizing you can put a lot of things up on the wall around the perimeter of the room that you can see, you know, you can see, but they're out of the way makes it easier to keep the floor clean, easier to put things that you can hang on the wall, like your lawnmower and some of the other things. Um, it does make a lot of sense. Another good, simple solution from my buddy, Joe Truini. And we always remind you, you can go to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions and see over 550 video versions of the simple solutions. Hey, while you're there, check out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show in your area. We're all over the country and having a big time celebrating our 20 fifth year on national television and this this week it's all about a popping porch taking a porch that was okay but it just needed a little love and a little little paint. And so what we did there is we actually uh, put all new handrails up. So if you're thinking of replacing or installing some handrails, we have a very simple little way of using treated wood, very inexpensive, easy to build, and easy to install. We show you step-by-step on this weekend show. Also, had some overgrown shrubbery. You know, you hate to cut down established shrubbery until you remove it and replace it with smaller healthier plants, maybe put a little color in it. All of a sudden you, you're saying what we hear so many times from people, wow, I should have done that years ago. Also, if you have any kind of concrete that you're having a little problem with once it gets a little wet, a little slip and fall, a little dangerous. Well, we solved that problem for these homeowners with just applying a couple coats of track safe from our friends at Deitch Coatings. And boy, they have commented on how much safer it is as they have those groceries in their hand, moving up and down the stairs. So you want to check out all of that. And a lot of other things that we've done here with shutters and some corner board replacement, a lot of things that you might be dealing with around your house. You can see how to address them by watching the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. Well, that's pretty much going to wrap up the show for the wrap up the first hour of the show. And Joe and I always appreciate you spending a little bit of your busy weekend time with us and hope we've been able to share with you some information that you can use. And as I always remind you, you can reach out to us anytime, 800-946-4420. That's the Today's Homeowner Hotline or send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com. 
slash ask. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host Joe Truini. Thanks so much for spending this hour with us here on today's Homeowner Radio.